Sir, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. How are you doing, Rob? Dude, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I was telling Steven this on the phone earlier. I said, I'm so excited to talk to him. I've talked to him like, I think three times in my whole life. I don't feel like I know him at all, but I feel like I've been seeing you for a very long time. I feel the exact same way about you because I know we met at school. I do not remember a single interaction we had at school, but I've known who you are. I've known of you and I see you all over social media. I've listened to at the elephants. Like I'm very aware. And the first conversation with you, I remember was this past year at homecoming. Yeah. The one we just had in the fall of 2023. Right. Like three months ago, if that bananas. So how, okay, well then I'm going to start. I'm going to get to my stock question in a second, but let me start with this. When did, when did you actually start at School of the Arts? I started in 2008 uh, for the VA program. I, okay. So I moved to Winston-Salem. It's not when I started school, mm-hmm. but I moved to Winston-Salem in May of 2008. Wild. So that's, that's wild. where the crossover started. We were, we, we were both hanging out on that campus beginning around the exact same time. I didn't yep. even realize because I was around there for like oh, too long, like kind of had a mm-hmm. weird, almost semi Van Wilder relationship with the school where I couldn't leave. And it was a lot. So I always wonder when I think of people like you, I'm like, where in that seven years were you? Because who, and, 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 and I have to then know like we're a high school program or was it college or was it both? Or was it, you know, it's like a mystery. So for you, it was like you and I both landed in Winston at the same time, at least as far as the mm-hmm. school's concerned. Yeah. 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 So I, um, I had family in Winston growing up, but I, I grew up, well, you're gonna ask me about this in a minute, but um, you're really sweet to give me room to make sure I don't not ask it. So yeah. Where are you from brother? I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, uh, grew up yes. just a couple and a half hours away from, from Winston. Um, but I in have the family in Winston in the mountains. Yes. Um, so I would always come to Winston over the summers to visit that family. Uh, so I was always familiar with it, even though I didn't officially move to Winston until 2008. Okay. So we, the, all right, then my sentence clears. We both got there at the same time. It is, um, all right. So let's start with the, where are you from? You're in Asheville. Let's hang out there for a second before we get to the school ship. Cause of course I'm interested in the fact that we were there at like the same time and I didn't know it. Uh, but right. I will pause on that. I'll get to that act two in a second. Act one, we're in Asheville. You were born there? Yeah, born and raised. I uh, lived the first 16 years of my life there. How far back does the family go in that area? Did they live there for a long time or did they move? A lot of people move right like when they have a kid or right before they have a kid. Are they from there? Right before they had me. Yeah, they. Um, I'm pretty sure my mom was pregnant when uh, the two of them moved to Asheville. Where are they from? Um, so my mom's from all over, um, but my dad grew up in Winston, and the two of them met in Winston. Okay, so some so serious Winston roots over here. Mm-hmm. Got it. Oh yeah, yeah. Winston runs deep, um, for sure. So I think it's pretty. I I don't know, man. It is hard to imagine. From what little I even know about you, it is hard to imagine you separate from the concept of art. Like, I feel like you just, I don't know if you know you're accomplishing this, but as a vibe, and I mean this since I started seeing you, I guess in 2008 or whenever it happened, I don't know how much that would have happened, but I, whatever, we'll get to that. You have always looked like artsy fella the whole time I've known you. I appreciate that. I mean that, and I mean as obviously as a compliment. How far back does that part of your identity go? And in what way does it show up initially? Um, literally before my memory starts. Um, cool. So like there are like pictures of me as a toddler, like painting, finger painting, um, holding like crayons in my fist and scribbling on paper. Um, like I have always been um, very visually expressive. Um and I think a big part of that is both of my parents were artists. Um, so mm. I grew up around that in general. And that was fostered. What kind of really artists were your parents? Um, so my dad uh, was a painter and a sign maker by trade um, when I was growing up. And my mother um, 
plays multiple instruments and was a music teacher when I was growing up. Okay. Can I want to, I think I can understand music teacher a little quicker. When you say <laughs> painter and sign maker by trade, what is, what is pops doing every day when he leaves for work? Does he own his own business? He works somewhere. Like what is, <clears throat> what is the sign maker doing? So, um, he had a shop in the basement of our house actually. So, oh, okay. So fully um, independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, owned his own business. It was called Ampersand Signs. That's like a really um, good name. It is a pretty good name, isn't it? I like that quite um, a bit, actually. And um, it runs, it's, it's funny, too, that it's kind of a family business because my grandmother, uh, his mother, is also a sign maker, or was. And oh. so she had And a what medium are they making these signs out of? So... Um, all sorts. A lot of the time it's going to be either like plexiglass or sheet metal with uh, vinyl applied to it. But okay. then you'll definitely also get uh, signs that are like extra carved, usually using uh, machinery, um, but all sorts of different mediums. No neon? Mm, I don't think they ever worked with neon. No. Mm. That's yeah, a thing that a when I see... When I see people offer like custom neon sign, like we'll make you your own neon. I'm like, how the fuck did you learn how to do that? Because I barely understand how those things work. And the idea that you <laughs> you made a custom one and the glass, you blow this glass and then put it in a... Th- I'm like, it baffles. And I still don't know. And I'm afraid to YouTube it because I think it'll... I think it might overload my brain if I watch somebody try to make a custom neon sign. But the... I love this very particular artisan thing that you grew up around as a generational, Mm -hmm. was there ever any sign making in your future to be had? Did you ever think that that was going to be a thing you did? Um, I don't think so. Um, from a very young age, I I actually wanted to be a comic book artist. That was what I was really into. And so, um, I was just constantly like drawing superheroes coming up with my own characters. Um, I also went through an extended phase when I was like in the single digits where I would make uh, Captain Underpants comics. Um, oh, hell yeah. I was obsessed with that as a kid. Yeah. It's um, a cool character. But, right. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I definitely was always into comics and that was the direction I was really interested in artistically before I got to the School of the Arts. Um, you were very much on the comic book mindset all the way up to like going to school. Oh yeah, definitely. Even uh, even through school to a certain extent. Did you graduate high school, or did you you moved, went to the high school program in two thousand eight? What point in the? It's a two year thing, right? VA. Mm-hmm. Yes. So did you do both, or just senior uh, year? Yeah. So I did both. I did VA one and two, um, and then I actually went to ECU for a year after that to study illustration, and then ended up back at NCSA the year after that um, to do set painting. Got it. Mm -hmm. So in the high school program, you come in as a junior, Mm -hmm. right? And what happens while you're there that takes you out of this comic book thing? Oh, no, I was still in it. Um, Okay. Which is why I went to ECU to do illustration. um, Right, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because I still wanted to do, um, I still wanted to be a comic book artist at that point in time. When Um, did that change? So it was something that was like always in the back of my mind. But when I was at ECU, it turned more into like a personal passion thing than a career passion thing. I kind of started to learn what the actual career looked like and realized that it was going to be probably not something that I would enjoy day in and day out. And started looking for alternatives. And um, ironically, at ECU, learned what scene painting was, even though like I'd been all around it at NCSA. I had no idea, you know, what it really meant. And what's so, the difference between majoring in it at a school like School of the Arts and then really doing it? Like how how is that not at all parallel or at least introductory? Um, sorry, you're talking about scene painting or illustration and like comic books. Well, you're talking about go back and 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 tell me the point that you were just making so I make sure I'm asking my question right. Sure. Yeah. So basically when I was at ECU, I learned what scene painting was. 
And right. I find that ironic because oh, I've been all I around see. it. That's how I lost track of it because you had already been around schoolyards is what you mean. And you'd been on that campus, but you hadn't touched the scene painting part of it. Exactly. I understand what you're saying. Okay. I lost track and it's hard to do because you were there and then there again. So when you say, right. even though I'd been there anyway. Okay. So right. the scene painting thing that you found at ECU, how did you end up finding that? When you were there for illustration, are you? Is that part of the illustration program to be painting sets? It's not. So ECU at the time, I don't know if they still do, had this really weird rule where uh, everyone who gets an undergraduate degree has to take an arts class. But okay. if you're an art major, none of the actual arts classes count for that credit. So what? you have to take. Yeah, I don't get it. So you have to take like art history, theater history, music appreciation, like that sort of thing. Like they just um, don't have enough classes, honestly, for your particular major. They're like, in order for you to technically get this major, you need to take all our art classes that we offer because that's guess, how it adds like, up. That's what it sounds I, like. I have no idea. It's weird. Um, like if you're there for illustration, you need more like illustration and animation classes and shit. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It's so strange. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so I took the. Mm. It transitions. Because for whatever reason, I mean, that scene painting thing that you did there seemed to make an impression on you. Yeah, um, I thought it looked like a lot of fun. I found out that there's an actual viable career as a scene painter. Um, and I think the funniest thing was um, I was considering switching majors there. And then I looked at the textbook right. they were using and the intro was written by Howard Jones. And I said, wait a minute. Why do I know this name? Hold on. Right. I was just there. Right. They'll take me back, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they did. Man, that's fucking bananas, dude. I had no idea. That's so wild that you're like, oh, I'm at this school. It's pretty good. Let me go try out this other school. And you pop open like the book they're using. That would be like to make the equivalent to like drama if you went somewhere and you were really into their fight choreography program after going to high school at School of the Arts for drama. And then the book, they just hand you Dale Gerard's book. You'd be like, I should probably just right. go back and learn from him. Exactly. That's so wild. So how so you only spent one year, like two semesters? Yep. Yep. That was it. You finished the year? Mm-hmm. I did. At what point in the year did you figure out that you wanted to leave? Um I figured that out like at the beginning of the second semester. Um, and then you immediately like, rushed to like go apply. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, because that's when the application period was like coming to a close, I think. Um, cause first semester I took the theater history class and was thinking about switching majors, learned about Howard. And I was like, well, this is the time to go. I also didn't really have much of an affinity for ECU. Um, so I was, I was happy to like, find a reason to go elsewhere. Um, what didn't you like about it? Like what, um, what, what made it not vibe with you the way that school did, especially when you had like two different experiences. Everyone at the school of the arts is so passionate about what mm. they're doing. They really care and they really want to, uh, hone their craft. And when I was at ECU, I just didn't get that energy. Um, it's very much, uh, it has the reputation of being a party school and I definitely ran into that and I'm not really a party or myself. Um, right. I care about craft and I care about, um, really like focusing on the education. And so my peers weren't really the same way, even in the art school. Um, uh, I didn't find a lot of peers that had that same mindset, not to say those people don't exist because they definitely do. Um, why do you think that's but, important? Like, why do you think it's yeah. important to have those other people? Like, cause if you give a shit and the training is good, let's just say, take what you just said for granted, but let's also take for granted the idea that like the training was equal. It imagine. Wasn't. Yeah. But imagine for a second that it was, but at one place you didn't have those other people who gave a shit like you do. Why do you mm -hmm. think that would make a difference? So you'd be like, Oh, I got to go to this place. Because it has more people like me. Um, Who cares? Because if there are more people like me, then that kind of affirms the direction I'm going. That gives me, um, like, when in moments where I maybe do, like, have less motivation and want to slip away, um, seeing those people, like, keeping it up, 
gives me the motivation to keep going. Mm. Um, they push You're motivated me, by push community. Community is very important to me. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I mean, those reasons um, you just said, but like, why do you think foundationally? Because for some people, they can kind of go through life lone wolf style and seems to work out okay. I've, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've I've done a lot of that and has ultimately been very unfulfilling. Um, mm. So I feel like at the time, I may not have recognized the impact community had on me. It Like I knew it in my gut, but I didn't know it intellectually. I feel like now I know it uh, in both places. And for me, um, really, it just comes down to um, what does it come down to? Um, that that mutual support is really important. Um, the like I said, like the 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 inspiration where like if you see somebody pushing through something challenging, then that gives you the energy to do it yourself. Right. Um, Were you introverted it, um, as a kid? I was super introverted. I um, super introverted. I grew up very shy, and my family lived um, really far away from everything. So growing up, like it was up pretty much just like. Yeah, pretty much. So it's so pretty much like, like really me like a mountain and my parents. Kid. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Yeah. No, no. A dog. Solo child <laughs> and the dog. Yep. Up and two in the, up in the mountains, home. finger painting. They both work from home. Yeah. How she she's a music teacher. Like kids come over and she's like here next to me on the piano and shit. Literally, yeah. Got it. Okay. So when do you feel like you start to reach outside of yourself and connect with other people more easily? Because you're a pretty friendly guy. You're very easy to talk to. Well, I appreciate that. Um, it's definitely a learned skill. Okay. Um, I would say it started in earnest when I got to high school. Um, because I also went to a really small um, uh, school that was first through eighth grade. I don't think I was in a class bigger than like 15 people. My eighth grade class was eight people. Um, and I remember thinking it was really funny, eight and eight. <laughs> so like very small community. We all knew each other for, you know, the whole time. Right. And so it wasn't until I got to high school, which for me was public high school. Right. And really like, oh, my God, here are all these people that come from different walks of life. Um, they've had different experiences. They look different. They act different. Uh, when you were other. younger, your parents have any, like, do you go to church or did you go to any community events or like, did your parents take you around other people or they just kind of kept you in like that dude in powder just underneath the house, a secret. I have, I haven't seen powder. Um, but I can <laughs> say my, my parents were pretty introverted, which is part of where I got it from. Got it. So you're um, like all three, just kind of like inward people up in the mountains in a nest. Yeah, very much so. And Interesting. so it, it, it's kind of, it's something that makes me question, like, am I introverted or is my introversion a learned trait? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I do love well, and why wouldn't you question that? Because you have no way of knowing like, right. And is there a difference really? Or is, are we, any of us genetically introverted? I mean, I think it's all environmental one way or another, but I think that's true. I think it's um, interesting to me when people are introduced to community and how that develops as far as their relationship. A lot of times, too, it's a, a sibling thing. Very, very mm -hmm. common to have one introverted sibling and one extroverted sibling. That's like super common. One of them kind of they both drive each other in the opposite direction. Um, yeah. You know, the one who's like outward and fun is kind of like come on loosen up and the one who's like inward is like you're too loud uh it's i think i think it's an interesting thing that when you run into it so if you're running into it when you're like 14 mm -hmm. yeah and then you do two years at a public high school that was pretty big yeah it was, it was you. so it was Asheville high school which i think was i think is the biggest uh public high school in Asheville. Okay, well, yeah, there you go. And then you go to school of the arts smaller, but you got all these college kids roaming around in the same campus. So mm -hmm. overall, you got like 2,500 people. It's at mm -hmm. least sizable. Um, how many people go to ECU? Oh, it blows NCSA out of the water. I couldn't even begin to. I Just couldn't like even tens begin of to thousands guess. of people. 
right? Yeah, I mean, it's I, like, I, I um, ballpark it, but I actually have no idea. I would imagine it's a great deal larger. Yeah. So oh, you feel larger. like you that was part of it too at all? Like you were like, this is like big and there's, you kind of get lost in the sea of it. And you're like, it felt a little more intimate at School of the Arts. Like you actually knew who people were and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, um, that's a good point you made. Um, that, that was definitely a big part of it. I had, it was easier to make strong connections at NCSA than at ECU. And like you I were still new to learning that skill set. You were still mm-hmm. new to figuring out like how to connect with people and, and, and make friends that are, are more than just classmates, like, mm-hmm. and you know, other relationships, whatever you're dealing with at the time as a teenager, I would totally mm-hmm. be like, I mean, I went to different schools. I went to a school that was smaller than NCSA. That was my first one. Um, oh, yeah. It was like a community college in the middle of nowhere. And um, it was very much like all the people from Texas public high schools that liked to just like do the plays and then get drunk. It was like all those people who had who didn't go to class and skipped and like were, you know, fucking off all the time. All of those people went to this community college in the middle of nowhere that basically had a feel free to come here and do the same fucking thing for two more years, uh, associates program. And, uh, I kind of liked the size. I like it small, man. I mean, I also was a a public, uh, not a public, a private school teacher from, 2014 to 2016 and it was it was a uh, private school for kids with like learning disabilities so all the class sizes were really small the biggest classes were like 12 kids Mm -hmm. i really think that that should be the standard like yeah if it gets but if you're gonna educate public school amounts of kids you're gonna have to have like a shitload of teachers and a lot of class space to have 15 kids in a class that's um, true. And they don't really these days. It's wild. Class sizes are getting bigger and teachers oh, are they're like 40. Getting, when I was a kid, yeah, it's 25 to 30 was pretty common. When, yeah. when I was like that, in elementary school. That would be too school. big for me. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Way too big for me. But the class sizes now are 35, 40 for sure. They're, they're huge, yeah. especially in the inner cities. Gigantic. Um, okay. So you go, you kind of go super small, little, little big. Mm-hmm. Little medium, little medium, and then you go big, big, and you're like, ah, back to medium. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm, I'm yep. totally with you. I like the same thing. Uh, so you did four years then, or did your ECU mm-hmm. help you out at all? Nothing, right? Um, ECU got me out of some, um, like, academic classes and foundational classes, yeah. Okay. Um, that didn't, that being said, I still, like, every semester, like, filled up my um right my schedule with academics and um elective arts classes uh i really enjoyed getting into that that kind of stuff i think i took probably every philosophy class that ncsa had and every dean wilcox class um he's the best that he taught i love dean yeah Yeah. he was also in uh the humans versus zombies thing that we were talking about before we like made him a character yeah general wilcox was awesome i love that um yeah, dude. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of these pieces are kind of coming together. I feel like if you've been listening to this show, then you're way ahead of me, but now I'm kind of catching up for us, like knowing each other. Um, so you're doing the scene painting thing for four years at school. Mm-hmm. You did two before, so you did six total. Plus yeah. you have the seventh year that you did at ECU. So that's a mm-hmm. lot of years of arts education you got under your belt. You are a highly educated artist, I would say, in comparison to like all the artists. You know what I mean? Seven years is a lot of time to have formal study. That's true, actually. Uh, that definitely is true. I hadn't really thought about that, to be perfectly honest. I thought about I mean, them all as being very separate experiences, but yeah, they were all formal arts education. But it is. It's all formal arts training, like for real, because the high school program, that VA program with like Pam and Will and stuff, they were there at the time, yeah. right? And they don't fuck around. Mm-hmm. They're seriously good teachers. Um, yeah. And Howard and like all the other people that you work with in DMP when you're in that program is like super cool. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you stuck out the whole year so uh, at ECU. So it's seven years. When you leave... 
School of the Arts. Are mm-hmm. you still like remembering anything about illustration that's interesting now that you're about to leave again? Is there any waffle or pendulum back to that in any way? Or is it fully like, I can't wait to go beyond this gigantic project with a huge paycheck as a scene painter? Um, or neither. There's definitely some. So there's definitely some waffling going on. Um, okay. Throughout my entire time in college at NCSA, um, whenever I would finish class, I would go home and I would do personal illustration. Um, I would teach myself digital art. I taught myself Photoshop. Um, I just like really got into that realm. Um, just in my, my personal world, I couldn't, couldn't let go of it. And not that I like wanted to, I just like gravitated towards it. Right. And I kind of felt this conflict while I was at school because it's very different than scene painting, which is the direction I want my career to go, which is what, um, you know, what I'm being taught, what I'm putting all this money and time and effort into. And so I kind of start to like hide that illustration side a little bit um, because I don't want my teachers to think I'm not serious. Right. But literally the, like the week before graduation, um, there's like, you always have your final meeting with your, your main teacher. Right. And right. so Howard, I, I will never forget this. Uh, we start in his office he says, let's go outside. So we go out and onto the, the landing by DNP. He lights up a cigarette and he yes. looks at me and he says, uh, Ivan, you should be a concept artist. Mm. And I just like, I felt seen and I felt validated and I was shocked that because I tried really hard to like keep that from him, but I know in hindsight, it was super obvious, uh, to everybody. But like in me, I was just like trying to like keep that separate so that, um, people would think I was serious about my education. Um, that that is a very, that is a very interesting quality that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I was in DMP. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. And then you went into directing, right? Yeah. And then I went to drama. I was in lighting first. So I took my whole first year where I took Will's classes and Pam's classes. Like I know all of that, uh, curriculum Mm -hmm. for the first year. And obviously I ended up somewhere else. Obviously I ended up at, in a different department, not just a different department, different school on campus entirely. So, um, Mm -hmm. I dealt with a tremendous amount of uh, kind of weird criticism and teachers Mm. being weird and accusing me of stuff and all this kind of weird drama politics shit because they knew I was directing a play in the drama Mm -hmm. school my freshman year. Okay. I have made the argument that the point of the school is to educate the students and send them on the best path, knowing that we're young and that path may snake a little bit. It may change. It may be like, Oh shit, I know about this. Especially when you put Mm -hmm. all the shit on the same block and we can see that shit over there that we've never seen before. And Oh, a film school. I didn't grow up with a film school in my life. I didn't know that Mm -hmm. was there. You know, like getting that exposure makes it such an interesting experiment. And I think also as a paying customer, which is what you are as a student at a university being like, Oh, I think my education is better found over there should not be Mm -hmm. met with anything other than like, well, if that's what you think you should do, have a fucking meeting. Right. And then if you need to go, go ahead. And what I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I hear Mm -hmm. your thing about like, I'm here to paint sets. I'm a painter and I don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to know that I like to illustrate, which in my amateur mind is like the tiniest splitting of hairs between different shit. And I'm like, you don't even, and I'm curious where the culture comes from with either you or the school or whatever, but I can, I don't even have to wonder very far because I remember what it was like to get that hit. And that surprised me because I was like, I don't understand why they're upset with me. Why are they Mm -hmm. accusing me of this? Why is this happening? And you know who pointed it out to me was fucking Pam. 
Really? Pam Griffin pulled me aside. We had a whole conversation. I remember out in the hallway and it was nuanced. There was a bunch of layers to it, but one of them was like, they feel like you don't respect the opportunity of getting that education that they're, that you were accepted into. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but I'm paying for it. It's not a Mm -hmm. gift. Mm-hmm. And like, we, we were very much on the same page. She was explaining to me, like, almost like buddy right here, easy to understand, not complicated. Mm-hmm. Cause I was acting all like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And she was like, it's very simple. And then she laid out a few other things that also made sense that I won't repeat, but it was like, sure. it, and I still, to this day, I hold the same thing, which is like, I don't, I don't understand why you, and I want an answer to this, why you have to feel the pressure to not reveal every nuance and flavor of your artistry to your teachers who are teaching you how to be an artist. Why should you have to Mm -hmm. hide any of that shit? Why can't you just be like, and you know what? I've been thinking about 3d printing too. How the fuck do they do that? When can we do that? Like, but you can't because you're not a real scenic painter. If you're not dedicated to a life of 80 years in the business of painting scenes, it's weird. It is. What do you think of it? I think it's a mixture of things because idealistically, I agree with you. Like you're a paying customer, you're going to this place to learn to be an artist. Um, and you're exposed to a lot of things you're not exposed to before. So of course you're going to get interested in something else. And maybe you want to go do something else, or maybe that just informs what you're already doing. Um, so idealistically, I'm totally on the same page. But um, that was not my experience of the culture. Wasn't yours either, it sounds like. And right. um, But do you think it I came think from it, them or us? Or did we all just kind of were equally guilty for making everybody feel that way? I would definitely say it came uh, from both. Because I had a great deal of imposter syndrome at the time. Mm. And so I already felt like an imposter in the scene painting program, even though I was a good student. Um And that wasn't because of anything anybody told me. That was just my own insecurity and my own knowledge that like, oh, I actually have this other, you know, passion over here to the side. Right. And so it was definitely a mixture of that culture because I'd seen that happen to other people, people transferring between programs and then like people talking behind their back or um, all sorts of things like that. And um, so I would definitely say it's a mix. There's a lot of that, man. I think that's one of the biggest things I've started to find out on this show after years of doing it and and kind of changing the way we're having these conversations is there's a big leap for a lot of people to jump on this school and say they mm-hmm. this happened. And, and, and I want to make it very clear as I head down this road, because I do think it's an important conversation, um, that any... Uh, I am not referencing any documented lawsuits or um, complaints about verbal or physical abuse or anything like that. I am setting Mm -hmm. that aside as I talk about other people's experiences, not those people's experiences. Um, Sure. And I do that to make the distinction of there are a lot of people who simply left the school feeling like, they were asked too much of me. It was unfair. They should have not have pushed me to this point. Um, and I think there's a lot of conversations to be had about that. It is, it, I mean, as if, as if it wasn't the culture would be like a blatant denial of fact. But mm-hmm. I always wonder where does the line fall with responsibility about that culture because how much of the institution is pushing it how much of the student body is thriving on it in a weird gross way and then Mm -hmm. how much is the institution responding or not responding to that dynamic which is the next Mm -hmm. layer and how much responsibility do any of these groups in these moments have to do something differently this is the nuance that I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about because it's a lot easier to be like, it was a toxic hellhole or it was the mm-hmm. greatest place I've ever gone to school. Cause that conversation is quicker. Um, 
but I do believe it yeah. lies somewhere in between. Cause I definitely know there are a lot of us. I say us just to include myself only that the parts of that school in DMP and drama that mm -hmm. I experienced that pushed me really hard. I am tremendously grateful for, mm -hmm. but I ain't everybody. Everybody's coming from a different place and has different experiences. And I very much accept that mine's kind of overwhelmingly positive on the spectrum. Sure. This is definitely a topic I've given a lot of thought to um, because I definitely know a lot of people uh, who have, who have serious trauma coming out of the school. Um, yeah, me too. I definitely a recognize. Lot of them, man. A oh lot yeah, of them. definitely. Um, and as time passed, I realized that I was also one of those people in ways that I didn't realize that affected me into adulthood. Mm. Um, and so this is definitely something that's been on my mind, especially as time passes. But what I've come to is I've, I realized that there are two extremes in teachers. Not every teacher falls into one of these extremes, but they're two extremes. Right. Two, and, like a dichotomy. Right. And so they're the teachers that um, have a lot of clout for really pushing students um, really being hard, really getting results and, uh, well results, um, sure, whatever and, that means. Exactly. And they're the ones that often are very mean and, um, cause a lot of trauma and drive students away, but also get some students to push well, well beyond where they would otherwise. I also we think find, about JK Simmons and whiplash. Another reference I'm not familiar with. I'm gonna you know, for anyone else li listening. Yeah, just it's a film about conservatory and the whole. You know, it's the full end of the spectrum of like the monster teacher, but he's doing sure. it because he wants to press diamonds out of these kids. Right, that's the argument. Right, and that's definitely an archetype that exists at the school of the arts for sure. I would say on the other end of the spectrum, um, and for this end of the spectrum, I will name some names are the teachers who are genuinely like kind and mm. through positive encouragement, foster growth. I'm talking about like Howard Jones, um, Kyle Webster, um, Dean Wilcox, right? Like people like this, they're the people, uh, who really taught me the most and who I grew the most as a result of studying under and right. none of them ever um, were cruel. None of them ever, um, yelled. None of them. Right. I mean, aside from like to make a point yeah, about something, like they never yelled at a student. Right. Right. Or at, and so these are all people that really were encouraging and kind and taught through example. Right. And focused on the growth of the individual. And for me personally, they got better results than the teachers who instilled fear and trauma and all that sort of stuff. And so my opinion is that you don't need to have any of that. You don't need to be the person that traumatizes a student to get good results out of them. I feel like there has been this culture in the art world for a, like an incredibly long time that um, you have to be traumatized to be a good artist. And I think that's bullshit. Um, I agree. And I think teachers like that are the proof because they get amazing results, absolutely amazing results. And they leave the kids feeling better than when they walked in. They leave the kids feeling more excited and encouraged and self-assured um, than some of those other teachers. Yeah, I think you're right. Mostly, I think you're right. I don't think. Well, I'll be specific so it doesn't sound like I'm disputing anything I'm not. I'm definitely not disputing the idea that you do not have to traumatize someone to make them a good artist. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But I want to also make sure that when we talk about these different teachers, because, I mean, I think, I think there are only so many examples of what you're talking about that are like, well, 
what we're calling like traumatizing teachers. I think there's only so <laughs> many examples of those that are fully in that neighborhood of even the students who can take it being like, this shouldn't happen this way. And those people, those people, we just shouldn't have teaching kids. Like if even the kids who aren't traumatized by it are sitting in the room being like, damn, like this is not okay. Let's just not have those people teach children or adults or anybody else until they get their shit together and they're not fucking people up. Like that's bad news. I'm not pro that. I've never been pro that. I do think, however, people have different constitutions I think that people mm -hmm. have different levels of insecurity. And I think that we uh, are, are talking about a lot of times, especially in your case of starting when you did, like 15-year-old kids. And mm -hmm. if you're just talking college, there's still like 17-year-olds that are in these classes. Like they're young people. Um, mm -hmm. Young people are often more sensitive. Artists are always more sensitive. So I think that's an element, but it's like, it's an easy, it's easier conversation for me if I look at it through this lens. Mm -hmm. It's probably not worth the success drawn from the tough love mm -hmm. when the consequence through nobody's fault is also a fair amount of negative trauma. Because I, I don't, I don't want to dismiss the fact that some of those hard ass drill sergeant teachers work well with some students. Like there are plenty of students that take that class and don't walk away traumatized. They may not, they may not be as educated as well as they would have if they'd been in Howard's class. I agree with that, mm -hmm. but they don't walk away being like, I didn't learn anything from there. And they just fucked me up. Every student can't leave that teacher's class feeling that way or honestly they wouldn't work there for that fucking long there has to be some of both happening so that anyone in charge of anything unless it's their fucking nephew has a reason at the faculty meeting to be like well there's all these other kids that are saying they're taking your class and they like it or they're having you know they appreciate the feedback or or you're critical and they they approve of that whatever but I absolutely agree with, and this is where the conversation kind of ends. It's not worth the kid who has to go to therapy for like five years because of his ballet teacher. Right. Like, so four kids had a good time in the class and look back being like, she was a hard ass man, but I liked her. She was cool. Okay. But that's not that valuable. Like we don't have <laughs> to keep that at the expense of the chick who's crying every night because of the way she was treated in there and smacked with the ruler or whatever fucking thing that most people didn't notice, but definitely happened like that. That's it's just, it's not worth that. Mm -hmm. I don't want a program for myself as a young person. When I look back, I had a lot of really great, kind, patient teachers. I also had a few hard asses. In my personal experience of when I was there and my personal experience of those hard ass teachers, we had a good relationship. They were a little hard on me. I needed it sometimes. Other times I was a little bit leaving the class like, man, fuck them. But not like, oh my God. It just didn't hit me that way. If they were overly mean to me or aggressive, I also went to school a little bit older than some of my classmates. So I, I to me, it was like, if it's helpful, I took it. Otherwise it was a grain of salt. If people were kind of rude in a class, I'm like, it's just some lady. It's just some guy being like, ah, like, ah whatever. Like to me, I, I, I just didn't take it to heart too seriously. But I, again, that experience is not worth anyone they fucking destroyed. Right. I think you're very fortunate in that you were able to have that separation. Um, right. And you are able not to tie your self-worth to the approval of these teachers and take Correct. everything they say as gospel. A lot right. of people aren't that way. Um, and I think I it's a relationship say, of a fallout of the nature of the school and how it works and so then the, the kids are kind of doing it, but did the institution do it to them in the first place? This is my question. It's a good question. Yeah. Right? Um, nature, nurture, chicken, egg, right? Yeah. Um, but 
something interesting you said as well a second ago is you talked about the students who really thrived in that and under those tough love hard ass teachers right. and um had a good relationship and and all of that even if they would like sometimes go home and like you know still feel bad right um sure but they still like their work thrived right right um i've i feel like i was one of those students when i was at the school and it wasn't until years later that mm. i realized that I still shouldn't have been treated that way and mm. that my peers shouldn't have been treated that way. And it had impacted in many ways, my relationship with art and changed how I thought of myself and how I viewed myself. There are a lot of like, there'd be a lot of things, a lot of comments that teachers said to me in an effort to help me grow ostensibly that years down the line, when I would be making art, would show up in my mind as self-criticism. Like I would hear the mm. voice of these teachers talking to me as like a 25, 28, 30 year old, right? So much and power they have over you in that moment. Exactly. And so that that sticks with you for a really long time. Yeah. And so at the time, I was just trying to be a good student. I was just trying to get through. Um, I was trying to do what I had to do to be a successful artist. And these were the people telling me what it was that I had to do. Right. And then as an adult, it really hit me like a lot of this damaged me. A lot of this pulled me away from being what I think a good artist is. A mm. lot of this also, to be fair, did push me in directions towards being a good artist, but had right. the psychological toll that lasted into my adulthood. And I'm still working through, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, so I would say that in the moment you can be there and you can think like, I'm okay with these hard ass teachers and I'm thriving, but there can still be fallout from that. Sure. You could be wrong. Yeah. You could exactly. be wrong about it, which is what I'm right. getting. And, from I that. and I think, yeah. And I'm getting that from your story and it totally makes sense to me because again, you're all so young as fuck. What do you know? Right. You just don't right. know. And it's okay not to know. I was older, but I was still like, 22 i wasn't like an old person like and i just i just so happened to be fortunate enough that even though i'm a sensitive person i'm an artist and all of those things i'm also one of those like kind of resilient uh forget the insults remember the compliments kind of person and that is not mm -hmm. most young artists honestly it just isn't and i think that's what we have to keep in mind one of the things that I've argued on the show as well is what is the ethical responsibility alongside an institution taking so much money from young people mm -hmm. to teach them how to do something? Um, I mean, a much bigger conversation starts after that period, but mm -hmm. to be more narrow, when you know all of these kids are sensitive, mm -hmm. they all are like, mm -hmm. you know, I've said it recently on the show, but one of my favorite definitions of uh, art is highly sensitive people reporting back to the rest of the group what life is like for them. I love that. Is that good. great? Um, it's yeah. Pete Holmes, a uh, great comedian, really, really brilliant guy. Um, and I think that that's true. I think it's inherent in people who who go out of their way to create art and it's because they're being affected more strongly by things. And that's not a good or mm -hmm. bad quality. It just is a quality. Some people go through mm -hmm. life being like, man, can you believe the fucking sky? And other people are like, it's the sky. And no one's right or wrong. It's fine. Mm -hmm. They're just different people. But highly sensitive people have a tendency to go out of their way to go back to the rest of the group and be like, I'm, I've tried to remake the sky. Cause it, 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 it so overwhelmed me that it was X, Y, Z. I, I was like, I need, I wonder if I could make it. Could I make those same colors happen on this thing? I tried mm -hmm. and everyone else is like, I never even would have thought to fucking try to do that. Who cares? But cool. But I really like that you made it and I love it. Can we keep it in the house? Like right. that's the relationship. So you know all these kids are sensitive and mm -hmm. they're kids. They're all, almost everyone on campus is under 25 years old. Almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
what is your ethical responsibility to 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 endeavor to overstimulate them cuz let's be honest that's half of what art education is we need to take your sense of what you think a color is or a feeling is or a sound is and push it all the way this way and all the way that way so you get an idea of what you're going to do mm-hmm. we got to move all these sliders around so we're going to kind of fuck with these kids a little bit and they're highly sensitive and we're going to charge them hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it what is your ethical responsibility in return? Like, what do you also owe them? And the more I'm hearing it, I'm like, uh, psychological pre-screening before you admit them. How about that? Let's make sure that they don't need serious help before you push all these sliders around. Cause they might already need serious fucking help. I'm not saying don't teach them, but no, they're going into a drama class where they're going to pretend crazy shit happened to them. And they may do you, are you aware that they're untreated for like, Bipolar disorder, that might affect their classmates that day. Mm-hmm. Research that, worth actually, doing, in my opinion. You got to do it to yeah. join the military, man, because they're mm-hmm. like, not saying you're necessarily going to get kicked out because of this, but we're going to screen you because we want to know. We put you under these extreme circumstances. What is your situation? Like, we deserve to know that. And it's your right to know too. And so I think the school should do that. That's my opinion. I also think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what their relationship is now to like counseling, but man, therapy. Oh yeah. Like, like almost mandatory, like borderline. Occasionally we want you to sit down and talk to someone who is a serious professional and just check the fuck in to make sure you're cool. That'd be a really good idea. Yeah. Honestly. Cause we've been moving these sliders around a lot and your work is great. But that's not the only thing you are. You're not just that work you made. You're a person and we want to make sure you're fucking good. You highly sensitive kid. You know, it's interesting. That's not the only thing you are. Um, I always like my whole life. Like I said, I was making art since I was like before I have memory. Right. Um, I've always considered myself an artist as a core part of my identity. And right. The last two years, this is like finally in December came to an end. Um, but for the last two years, I went through very, very extreme burnout. I made almost nothing. And it forced me for the first time in my life to look at who I am without art as a like core part of my identity. And I think that, that did me feel? a lot of good. It felt great. Um, it's nice to have art as like a one aspect of, you know, the, the multitude that is, that is Ivan, but it took until, um, till 2930 for me to actually like approach that or even consider it. Right. And so I definitely think that's something that would be really helpful at the school, especially considering how seriously they take the education and how, um, how intense the culture around that is. Right. Um, I feel like in probably both of our cases, uh, because, you know, you were in DNP and then, you know, we're also directing and I was scene painting and also illustrating on the side. If, if we were taught that that wasn't part of our identity, I feel like it would have been way easier, not just for us to own those parts of ourselves, but also for the people around us to accept that they were parts of us. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be a huge boon for the entire student body. And mm-hmm. so I'm all, I'm all for that. Um, there's some way to be like, who are you not as an artist? What are your other interests? What are your other passions? Um, and the ironic thing about that too, I think is that's just going to make your art better. Right. Um, even though like you're like, you're like separating yourself from, from this idea of, of being an artist from this identity, um, having those other experiences, having that multitude can really inform what you do creatively. Absolutely. And I think it's naive to think that, um, conservatory training would, would work the way that it used to, because the world used to move slowly enough 
that if you learned something that everyone was doing 40 years ago, it would still apply. Mm -hmm. Like that's how Mm -hmm. things were for a long time. It was like, oh, well, a few things have changed. The lights are actual bulbs now. But other than that, we're pretty much doing the same fucking thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you learn how to do it, you can come do it with us. And now that changes like every five to seven years so dramatically, so radically in every one of our fields that it's about Mm -hmm. what we all talked about in every class, I think, freshman year. It's about building a toolbox of skills. That's what it's Mm -hmm. about. It's not about identity. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. you. It doesn't have to be your life. It doesn't have to be your heart and your soul and your back. Like you can have all that and it's your prerogative. You're also allowed to like be a son or a daughter or a mom or own Mm -hmm. a cupcake store. Or do whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck you want with your very full life because this life is full of all sorts of cool shit. And the idea of limiting yourself to being like, with every breath, I must make these paintings. Like, bro, okay, for a little while, have a phase. Jackson Pollock yourself in an attic for a while and sling it around. Cool. But like eventually, go outside. Take Mm -hmm. a breath. And I think that that idea... I think it's hard to do with young people because when you're younger, you're so all or nothing. You can be all green light, red light, but it really, that's, I think the lesson, if you can teach it, which is like that nuance of there's nothing wrong with going so hard to make sure that you can draft this thing really fucking fast Mm -hmm. and do whatever you, we think you can do within a reasonable amount of time to get really fucking good at drafting it really fucking fast. That is a cool thing to learn how to do and a useful thing. But also, like, that's all it is. It's all it is. It's just drafting. Mm-hmm. And it's very unlikely that you're ever going to get picked out of a crowd as the very best, fastest drafter and made a millionaire and given all your wildest dreams come true. It's just going to be this thing you know how to do. What a nice fantasy. <laughs> I know, right? Can you imagine? It paid right. off. Finally, every dream come true because I got good at that one thing that I thought was everything when I was 19 years old. Right. Don't tell him about AutoCAD. Yeah, no, don't tell him about it. It's only been around for 50 years, but don't tell him it's happening. Um, Yeah, no, I think, but I think that that's the point, dude. I think you got to check in with people. I know we're running Mm -hmm. out of time. You've got to leave in just a few minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you before, and I'll tell our guests, uh, I want to have you back really soon because you had kind of a tight window today. So did I. Um, And I want to talk to you more because I want to talk about this whole AI thing. And I feel like we could talk about it for like a full second episode. Probably. Uh, probably. So I'll, uh, it's I'll, definitely something I'm I have so about. many thoughts it. about it. Me too. I'm so interested yeah. in it. And, um, I feel like we have like opinions that are very close to each other, but also mm-hmm. I have so many questions for you about what I think your take on it might be. And they're not even okay. criticisms. They're just curiosities. Yeah. Um, and so I, I invite that, everybody yeah, I think it would be great. I invite everybody to come back and uh, check out Ivan's second episode. A lot of times the second episodes for people get less views because people are like, oh, I heard him the first time. But I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's a completely different thing. We're not just going to expand on his childhood or something. Where I'm, I want to go on this AI and how it affects art. And if you listen to this podcast, which is only so many fucking people, but if you're listening to this podcast... This concerns you, goddammit. Every single one of you, I'm telling you. It concerns everybody. It really does. But it really does concern every artist in every medium. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really think that you um, are also a very well-read person on it who knows what you're talking about. So when we we get together, it won't be totally amateur. Um, we'll, We'll do a little research and then we'll chat it up. But thanks for talking to me, dude. I really appreciate it. This was super fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Really excited that we got to have this talk and I look forward to part two. It's going to be fun, dude. Um, Ivan, thank you. Uh, Is there anything you want to plug? Anything people should go check out or um, your socials or anything like that you want to push? Yeah. You know, it hasn't been updated in a minute, but it's coming back. Um, Check out neon.fever.dreams.inc on Instagram. 
Okay. Uh, that's where you can find my oh, art. I have, so I subscribe um, to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go look for that. And um, there you can see all sorts of wild sci-fi paintings that I do. And uh, yeah, yeah. I would say that's my that's my main plug. It used to be something I did professionally. Now I do it for, just for me. And that's a really good feeling. Awesome. I love that, man. All right. You take care. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Have a good one.